Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. What drew me to marketing was, uh, you know, I'm really interested in the combination of communicating ideas uh, and understanding how to, you know, good marketing is really about serving people. Uh, It's not sort of spammy, salesy. It's not selling them stuff they don't want. It's figuring out how to attract the people that do want something that you have to offer. So that's always been my uh, approach to marketing, whether it be something as big as the Oscars or whether it be something as small as my own newsletter. What's up, Josh? Good to finally meet you. Thanks for joining. I know, Sam. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me. It's nice to uh, see you outside of Twitter for a change. Yeah, I want to get into how did you get into marketing? So my background is I've always been a writer. I studied journalism in college and after college moved out to Los Angeles, uh, wanted to work in the entertainment industry, started in PR and then wound up getting a series of jobs. I worked in marketing at a movie studio. I worked in content and marketing for a comedy startup website I wound up running digital media and marketing for the Academy of Motion Pictures and the Oscars for about six years, and then eventually leaving to become a consultant and took the Oscars as a client. So I continued to do that. So all in all, I did digital marketing for the Oscars for about nine years, I think, some full-time and some as a consultant. And I think, you know, what drew me to marketing was, you know, I'm really interested in the combination of communicating ideas and understanding how to, you know, good marketing is really about serving people. It's not sort of spammy, salesy. It's not selling them stuff they don't want. It's figuring out how to attract the people that do want something that you have to offer. So that's always been my approach to marketing, whether it be something as big as the Oscars or whether it be something as small as my own newsletter. I love that. I want to dive into, because you being in the Oscars and then the newsletter is an interesting segue. So you're really great at writing newsletters. You have 18,000 subscribers on your newsletter. How do you think about newsletters and how do you think about delivering a newsletter? What is a newsletter to you? How should someone get started with a newsletter? How do you think about it? So I think that my approach to, and I do love newsletters and I'm a firm believer, honestly, that everyone should have one, but I don't think they need to be as complicated as most people make them. So to me, a a newsletter is just a value delivery mechanism. That's it, right? It's a way to get a piece of value, a piece of information as something to someone who wants it. And it is basically algorithm proof. Right. So I'm always fascinated that people don't really question as much. Why should I tweet? Why should I post on Instagram? Why should I do all this? They just sort of assume that's how you provide content and value to people. Meanwhile, a tiny fraction of your audience actually sees it. That same thing you're posting on Twitter or Instagram or wherever could be emailed to people and it will, they may not all open it, but they'll, for the most part, all get it. And a much higher percentage of them will open it than are ever going to see it in your 
social feed, right? So when you start with that premise, whereas a lot of people think about it and they go, oh, I, I'm not a writer. I have to write this big, long thing. And no, you don't, right? All you have to do is send something of value and relevance to people who have said they want to get it, right? So for my own newsletter, I've which is called For the Interested, and people can check it out at fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. It's a free newsletter. It initially started as a weekly Sunday newsletter that was a combination of whatever blog post I wrote that week, just a quick summary and link to it, and then links to a few other curated articles, videos, resources I found, all to help creative entrepreneurs grow their audience and business. Very actionable stuff, very tactical, proven strategies, things that other people have done, not sort of theoretical, generic, inspirational fluff. Like, you want to do this, here's how to, here's how to do it, right? So for years, I published that every Sunday, and it was a weekly newsletter, and people really liked it, and it was growing its audience. And as I worked with clients as a consultant, I helped people you know, grow their audience and business. And one of the things that I would say to people all this all the time is, oh, you need a newsletter, you need an email list, you need this direct relationship to your target audience. And I would have people who would sort of say, yeah, but I'm not a writer, I don't have time to do that. And one of the things I would say sort of just off the cuff was I was like, look, it doesn't have to be complicated. I remember one time talking to a comedian I was working with and I said, look, all you would have to do is once a week, send a link to some video you found that you thought was hilarious and your fan base will be in, you don't even have to create it, right? Whatever you saw on YouTube or something that you thought was funny, your audience would probably be interested to know what you think is funny because they like you and they trust your sense of humor and your judgment. That's not hard to do right? And I used to say that you could even just write like a one paragraph newsletter and it would probably be really successful. And people would actually love that it was shorter because people, everyone's stressed for time. And I found with myself, I subscribed to a million different newsletters, but I realized that the ones that I opened more frequently were the ones that I really liked them and they were short. There were ones that I really liked, but I knew it was a time. I knew if I opened it, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to need some time to go through this. And there would just be times that I'd put it off and I'd be less likely to open it. So after saying that over and over again to people, I I decided to basically put my money where my mouth is. And as an experiment, I was like, I'm going to launch a daily one paragraph newsletter called The Daily Graph. And I promoted it to my list and said, hey, I'm doing this new thing. Like, If you want to check it out, sign up here. And I had maybe like a thousand people of my 18,000 subscribers signed up for it. And I started sending it. It was literally like a couple sentences and a link usually, like one piece of content. That was it. And people loved it. And it was really easy for me to write. It was very quick. I could schedule a bunch in advance because it doesn't take you that long. I was already like seeing content and stuff to share. So I started doing that and people loved it. And it was very in line with my Sunday newsletter. So eventually I just collapsed them. So now my newsletter is this bigger Sunday weekly one. And every weekday people get this daily, you know, one paragraph newsletter. And it's proven my point basically that like, as long as you send, you can send a newsletter that's one sentence. I sent one the other day that was literally two words. It was a subject line that said something about like, I forget exactly what it was, but it's like, if, you don't, if you're having trouble making a decision and then the whole newsletter just said, watch this and was a link. 
to a video that explained how to make decisions. And people loved it. And so I now even more strongly believe that as long as you're sending one valuable thing, it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be complicated. And lots of people are already doing this on Twitter and Instagram and elsewhere. They've just never thought about taking that and turning that into their newsletter as a way to get people to subscribe and as a way to reach more people with that content. The other thing that's happened is once I did that, I sell ads in my newsletter as well. Again, very simple, one line, like classified ad type thing, no pitch, no images, no complicated stuff. My audience buys them for the most part. So now that daily, those weekday issues have the one paragraph content and then one line that basically says this email is sponsored by whatever the link is. The engagement on those ads and those short daily newsletters is massive. So to give you an idea, my Sunday newsletter probably has, I don't know, on average, 15 links in it, maybe, to different articles and different stuff. A weekday issue with one link will get more clicks than all the links in my Sunday issue by a lot, maybe like 3x on a typical thing. And I think it's the, again, everyone's busy and the removal of all the other stuff, the minimal approach and the focus and it happens for the ads as well, because the ads, I also get put ads in my Sunday newsletter, but the weekday ones just get way more clicks and way more clicks than honestly, you know, I've talked to other people with newsletters and they're shocked at the engagement I have. And it's about that format, which people don't even think a newsletter can be that, let alone are they doing that. So I know, I know that's a lot, but that's sort of a crash course in, in my newsletter perspective. I actually think that's an awesome approach because I think a newsletter to me is just writing an email to a friend. And when if you would write an email to a friend, it could be one sentence, it could be a story, it could be a bunch of cool things that you've seen. Mm -hmm. So the way that you think about it, watch this, you would do that to a, a group of your friends. And you probably, the way I also say to people about newsletters is, if you post, if you're sending that, would you send that to a group of, for my newsletter, for example, would I send that to a group chat of marketers? Yes. If I would send that to a group chat of marketers, I'll send that to my newsletter. So I think that's an awesome approach. One thing I want to ask you on top of that is, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges for you writing a newsletter? What are some challenges people will can face by starting a newsletter? Well, I think there's a couple things. So the answer for, you know, challenges for me might be a little different than challenges for someone that's sort of starting out. So I'll kind of touch on both of those, I think. You know, as far as for me, I don't have problems finding stuff to share, right? So I don't set aside time to go look for stuff, right? I subscribe to a lot of newsletters. I'm on Twitter. I come across and see plenty of stuff to share. I think a lot of people get intimidated by going like, well, I don't, what am I going to share with people? What do I do? Right. I don't have time to do this. Right. So that's not a challenge that I have, but I do think that's a challenge other people have. If they have that, if they do have that challenge, I would say the first thing is the biggest mistake I see people make is they're very general in what their newsletter is and, or they think their newsletter is about them. Right. It's counterintuitive, but you want to provide specific value to a specific audience. Your newsletter is not about you. Nobody cares. <laughs> right? That's it. They care about them, right? So sometimes newsletters struggle because right off the bat, their framework is wrong for what they're doing, 
right? If you define, I'm creating a newsletter to provide this specific value to this specific audience, everything becomes easier, right? Because now you know exactly what you're looking for. And in terms of how I like to define value, I like to think of value as transformation. You're helping people get from point A to point B. And I think that leads it to being actionable and actionable is valuable as opposed to what a lot of people do, which is they don't have that transformation piece. They've just sort of picked a general topic. So they're just sharing stuff that's generally about whatever that topic is. So for example, there's a huge difference between a newsletter about, let's take a marketing theme newsletter, right? A newsletter designed to help people increase e-commerce sales versus a marketing newsletter. The newsletter about how to increase e-commerce sales, a clear transformation, makes it much easier to figure out what you're looking for, what you're sharing, makes it very clear who that newsletter is for, makes those people more likely to sign up, more likely to find it valuable, more likely to share it. Everything becomes easier. It becomes more unique as well. You start another marketing newsletter, who knows? Marketing's so broad, there could be a million things about it. You start a newsletter about your journey as a marketer, okay, that's fine, but who really cares? They want to make more e-commerce sales or they want to do whatever, right? So that I think is, I don't know that people realize that's the challenge, but I think that's where people go wrong right off the bat, right? They haven't been clear about the value they're trying to provide through the newsletter. And I was a victim of this as well. Like when I started out, the description of my newsletter was ideas to help you become better at your work, art, and life. That's everything, basically, right? So I went from that to proven strategies for creative entrepreneurs to help them grow their audience in business. That's really different. Early on, I might share something about how to have a great night's sleep. I'm not going to share that now. Because yeah, theoretically, a great night's sleep might help you grow your audience and business, but not really. Like I'm going to share much more specific stuff about, you know, here's how to sell on Twitter or here's how to use a newsletter to get clients or that kind of stuff. So I think that's the big, the foundational stuff needs to be right before. And once you get that right, all the rest of it is much easier. Yeah, I mean... The niche part is such a great call. I've seen it with a bunch of people where you go broad. I mean, I even for my news, I would it is a little broader than most. I got lucky because I started a, a community first that changed into a newsletter instead of the op. If I started it just as a newsletter first, I probably wouldn't get the engagement I did, but I built on social first and then translated it. So I think, but it, if I was to start out again, I would probably be very way more specific of what I would be doing and then broaden out from there instead of going broad. But I love the point of having a focus, knowing what you want to talk about. Also, I think something that you're saying is really important that people mistake is that you consume a lot of stuff, which helps makes the process way easier for you because you're constantly consuming. I think it's hard to come up with ideas if you're not constantly consuming content. Consuming and doing. I think that's, I think that's the other piece, right? Like, so I'm at, you know, I see people start newsletters about stuff that they're not actually doing and you can do that, 
but it's much tougher to differentiate yourself, right? So my newsletter, the weekly one that I did in the beginning and continue to do is mostly curated. So another question I have for you is what is a marketing hill you would die on? That is a good question. This isn't super controversial and maybe it's obvious, but unfortunately I feel like the way people act or behave, maybe it isn't so obvious. I really think everything comes down to providing value. That if you're not providing value to people, nothing's going to work. It doesn't matter how creative it is. It doesn't matter how clever it is. And I think sometimes people get caught up in fancy pictures, flashy videos, stuff that looks noteworthy or is, oh, it's so clever. You know, it's interesting. You look at like, and this is a little goes into advertising too, but like the kind of stuff that wins awards a lot of times doesn't actually move the needle, right? They're, they're just in love with their own sort of creativity. And a lot of times it feels like the audience or the customer, or whatever comes second. And I definitely have a sort of customer audience first mentality, right? I reverse engineer everything. What do they want? right? How can I help them make the transformation, get from point A to point B? And everything I do should be aligned to do that, right? That that to me, that's the key to any good marketing. And the other hill I would die on, I just thought of it as I said that word is, I see a lot of alignment problems with messaging, right? I see a lot of problems where, and, and I deal with a lot of sort of individual creator types, And it's always fascinating to me where I'll start and ask them, you know, what are you trying to do or what are you trying to sell? Who are you trying to serve? All that kind of stuff. And a lot of times they'll give me these answers and then I'll go to their Twitter bio, I'll go to their website and I'll be like, none of those words you just used are there, (laughs) right? Like you, and they assume they have a product problem, a service problem, a growth problem or whatever. And I'm like, you have an alignment problem you know, your messaging is not matching up what you're saying you're to me that you want to do or try to do or who you want to serve, right? And I think that a lot of problems people have that they think are marketing problems are really alignment problems. An example I use a lot of times, and this sort of ties to, to newsletters as well, is let's say that your web designer who specializes in building websites for restaurant owners. The newsletter that that person, they read all the stuff and they go, I need a newsletter, right? Or I need to be on Twitter and I need to do this. And the content they start creating is about how to build websites. Makes sense. That's what their expertise is, right? Here's how to do this. Here's how to do that. Here's, you know, my take on web design and all this stuff. And they start maybe even building an audience. Oh, it's, it's working, but they go, but I'm not getting clients. Well, you're not getting clients because Restaurant owners don't give a crap about web design. That's what they're going to pay you to do. They don't want to know about the new WordPress plugin. You're creating content, a newsletter, tweets, whatever, that's attracting other website designers. And it might be amazing content, but it's not aligned with who you want to reach. What you should be doing in that scenario is tweeting about or creating a newsletter about how to grow your restaurant business. Because your target audience, restaurant owners, want to know that. And your newsletter attracts them. And then you can even use your, they build trust in you and they see that you understand their business. 
and you're going to be the guy that they're going to hire to build their website. Now, the obvious response to that from people is, but I don't know anything about restaurant growth. I know about web design. That's where curation comes in. You can go to Google, you can do searches, you can find articles and resources about restaurant growth, and you can share that stuff. It doesn't have to be your own expertise. You could even go a step further and host a podcast where you interview restaurant owners about how they grew their restaurant. And your web design business functions almost like a sponsor of it. But the whole key is if you're attracting an audience that is not the audience that you ultimately want to sell to or want to be customers, you can fool yourself into thinking you're succeeding. I've got lots of Twitter followers. I've got lots of whatever, but you have an alignment problem. You have the wrong people, right? And I see that all the time, right? You see it a lot. I also talk about how build in public a lot of times is a trap, right? Because the people that care about your, you know, step-by-step journey of building in public are the other people building in public who may or may not, and in most cases are not your customers. They don't care about your journey. They care about what they're trying to figure out. You know, I say this to newsletter writers all the time in a very small way. It drives me crazy when newsletters in the opening paragraph go, I got 26 new subscribers this week. Hello to my 26 new subscribers. Number one, your other subscribers don't care. That has zero relevance to them whatsoever. Number two, the other thing that does that I think is a mistake in writing newsletters is you always want to write like you're writing to one person. And when you start addressing the crowd, you're putting up an artificial wall between a connection you can make with an individual. This is one of the big advantages of newsletters and what's very different than social media. When I post a tweet, yes, an an individual is reading that tweet, but they are being influenced by how many likes it has, what the replies are. You know, if they see that tweet and they see three people go, that's a stupid idea. They go, oh, I guess it's a stupid idea, even though I thought it was smart. When you're in someone's inbox, there is none of that social influence around it. You're having a one-to-one conversation. It's very intimate and it allows you to bond with them. That person who might've thought that idea was smart is not influenced by the three people that said it was stupid. In their mind, they go, that's just a smart idea. But if you start writing as if you're talking to everyone, I will never say in a newsletter, hey, everybody, right? I will say, how's, you know, I'm not going to say, how's everyone's week going? I say, how's your week going? It's one-to-one and that's how it feels. And email is very different from social in that way. And that's really powerful if you do it right. What, what you said is so true about the alignment. I think I just saw a tweet yesterday, which resonated to what you just said is the channel doesn't matter if your message is wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, So you could have your messaging, if your messaging is off, you could be, it doesn't matter what channel you on. You have to figure out what your messaging is. And I love also what you said about if you're a restaurant owner, you should be talking to restaurant owners. Everything you should create is about who you, your audience is. That should be nothing about yeah. you. And I think the problem, some people get lucky because they are a marketer like me and I'm talking to marketers. I get lucky. To do, but I, if I was talking to plumbers, and I started talking about marketing, plumbers that won't care, I'll just direct other marketers. So I love what you said there. 
One question I also have for you. Let me give you actually before you go to that question, just one more thing because this just happened like like yesterday, and it's so spot on for what we're talking about. Uh, A guy ran an ad in my newsletter promoting his newsletter, and he was asking me basically like, how do I feel like it went? Like, how do these clicks compare to other stuff? He's trying to gauge interest in his topic basically, right? And so he said to me, in in your experience, would you say the topic is appealing? since it got similar results to other newsletters. And what I said to him is I said, there's way too many variables to measure that. The narrower the niche, the fewer people it will appeal to, but the more likely those people who are interested will be to convert. Every topic is appealing if presented to the right audience, and no topic is appealing if presented to the wrong audience, right? That's the alignment piece. People go, this thing isn't working. Well, maybe you're talking to the wrong people. The assumption that like, is this topic good or bad? I was like, you promoted it to my newsletter audience. Here's how it did with my newsletter audience. I wouldn't, if it did well, I wouldn't say that means it's a slam dunk. You're talking about one set of people, right? And if it did terrible, it doesn't mean you couldn't do it with some other audience and they would love it. So yeah, I think people read way too much into those kind of things. Yeah. It's also a lot of people just don't go where their audience hangs out on. They just think, Oh, I'll go on Twitter because people are on Twitter, but they might not, your audience might not be hanging out on Twitter. They could be in Reddit. So you should just go where your audience right. is. I know it's, it's tough to predict the, the what's going to happen, but what is a, a trend that you're seeing in newsletters or in marketing that people should jump on right now? Newsletters are definitely booming. They continue to certainly compared to like when I, I mean, look, they've been around forever, but you know, this space now compared to when I was doing my newsletter six years ago, completely different. Some people think that's unsustainable and it's overblown. And I don't believe that. I think there's always room for something that is good and valuable to a specific audience. I also think as people are sort of burning out on social, both posting and and consuming and realizing you're seeing these shifts, right? So the TikTokification of social feeds and the idea where it's like you're seeing even less of people that you follow and more sort of curated stuff that they feed to you, that to me only increases the value of email and newsletter, right? Because as organic reach gets lower and lower on these social platforms, the ability to sort of get in people's inboxes and have that direct connection goes up and up. So I'm very bullish on newsletters. I don't believe that they're slowing down anytime soon. And I actually think they're arguably more important than they ever were. And also with all the tools and stuff now, they're easier than they ever were before to start as well. But I think the key is, just like with anything, it's got to be focused right? I think the idea that you're going to start some general newsletter about, you know, I say this, I think this is about social too, but like the more varied the topics you talk about, the harder it is going to be to attract an audience. I talk about this on Twitter too. I pretty much, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter at Jay Spector and I pretty much only tweet about tips and strategies for creative entrepreneurs to grow their audience and business, right? I'm a sports fan. I'm interested in politics, all that other stuff. I don't ever tweet about it. Because I want to be focused. If I tweet about five different topics and you like one of those topics but don't really care about the others, then you're only going to like 20% of my tweets. 
and you're probably not going to follow me. Or if you do, you're not going to engage with 80% of my tweets, which means you're going to stop seeing them. And it just doesn't work. You know, so tweet about whatever you want, write a newsletter about whatever you want. But if you're serious about growing an audience for it, I strongly recommend focusing it on something specific. Yeah, I love that advice. I also think people get too caught up in they have to show all their whole personality online mm-hmm. where people will fall. I don't show, like you, you said, half of my personality because half of my personality, the audience on Twitter won't care. I will share that with, I'll share that with maybe my Instagram where I, it's more curated friends, uh, but not on a Twitter feed or a newsletter. One question I also have for you is, who are some newsletters that you follow that inspire you or are doing it great? There's a lot. I have a list. Actually, I have a blog post of like, uh, I forget if it's 25 or 30 newsletters that I recommend. I'll send you the link. We can put it in the show notes. A few recently, uh, Justin Welsh does a great job. I'm sure most people listening to this have probably heard of him because he's everywhere at this point. The Do Lectures has a very like simple, quick, it's called the Chicken Shed Chronicles. And that's pretty good. It's really just a very quick read collection of links. There's a newsletter called Idea Economy that I often read. There's a great newsletter called uh, Story Things. It's from an agency, actually, I think that's called Story Things. Really interesting curated stuff about, you know, related to story. In a, and I think for marketers, they would also find that one really interesting. There's a guy named Dylan who has a newsletter called Growth Currency, which is really good. Jay Klaus, who I know was just on your show, he has an excellent newsletter. There's a lot out there. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we can share that list and people can check that out because there's, I got a lot of good recommendations on that one. I love that. Also, th- you should share some great names. And I mean, your new format of newsletters, people should start checking out because I think just having a paragraph, even me inspired me to do a shorter newsletter sense. Uh, th- thanks for that one. Um, yeah, I have this hunch. Uh, it's funny because it's, you know, I have a good size audience, but it's still a little off the radar and people don't realize, you know, you don't realize it unless you subscribe to it. Right. But it's funny. Like I have people when they discover it, they're like, oh my God, like, I didn't even know that this was a thing that this was possible. So I have I, somewhere in the back of my head, I'm like, I feel like a year or two from now, there's going to be a lot of people doing like one paragraph newsletters because both the audience likes it and the creator likes it. But yeah, it's definitely something that, again, you can subscribe at fortheinterested.com slash subscribe and check it out for yourself is the best way to sort of get a feel for what it's like. What is one thing, if someone was starting a newsletter today, that you would get a piece of advice you would give them that they would come back and thank you a couple years later? So obviously the first one is just, again, sort of be clear, specific result for a specific audience. I think you need to be patient and you need to understand that. I think that's the other thing. Sometimes people look around and they see people who have built massive newsletters and they don't necessarily know how that happens. It's very easy for them to get discouraged because they think that they should immediately have 50,000 followers in six months or whatever. Like that doesn't happen. Like newsletter, you know, newsletters don't really go viral. So it's not like, it's not like social. And I think you need to be realistic going into it. 
that it's going to take some time. The other thing I think people have a misconception of is you should really have a goal for yourself of why you're doing it. And that goal shouldn't just be, I want to get a lot of subscribers, right? So it doesn't have to be that you're ultimately trying to make sales, or it could be that you're trying to build a network, whatever it is, you should have some idea other than just, I want a lot of subscribers. Because in most cases, you don't need as many subscribers as you think for it to be very successful for you, depending on what you're doing. So let's use the example I said before of the web designer for restaurants, right? That person's goal, you know, that person is not going to have a 50,000 subscriber newsletter ever, right? You're just not going to have 50,000 restaurant owners. You might, but most likely you're not going to have that, right? But that person doesn't need that because if that person's goal is I'd like to get two more clients a month from this newsletter, you could do that with 200 subscribers, honestly, right? So I think understanding separate from, you know, the newsletter is a tool to accomplish a goal. It's not a goal in and of itself. Unless you're trying to build a business and advertising in it, that's a sort of separate thing, right? But for most people, you're using it as a tool to accomplish a goal. So you need to understand what is that goal and you need to frame the newsletter and optimize it to do that. In the restaurant case, that doesn't mean that your newsletter is just you promoting your service every week. Your goal is to attract people who will potentially become clients, build trust with them, and then eventually convert them into clients. And if you're getting your extra two clients a month or whatever you want, that newsletter is massively successful, even if it has 50 subscribers, right? Getting clear on that, I think a lot of people get confused and they think it's all about how many people give me their email address, when in most cases it's not. What you said is just so important. I think figuring out what your goal is, is the most important thing. Whether a big audience could be someone's trying to monetize and build a business off of a newsletter. But if your goal is to get three clients, that's a different type of newsletter. If your goal is to build a community, it's a different... You just got to figure out what your goal and work backwards. I think that's also a problem... It's also knowing what you want to be known for in the newsletter also. And then also what is the goal of this news? Is the goal to make money? Is the goal to contract more clients? I think that people make that mistake all the time. Is And they also have too many goals. I think you need to focus on one goal at a time. If your goal, you can do 20 things at once. Focus on that one goal you're trying to achieve with this newsletter and work back with that. Yeah, well, there's that saying, you can do anything you want. You can't just can't do everything you want. But it's funny, like that's where I start not only with newsletters, but I start with, you know, clients in general in these conversations. You know, I recommend they answer, they think about these questions in this order, right? Number one, what's your goal? What are you actually trying to accomplish in general? Not with the newsletter or social or whatever, like what is it you're actually trying to do, right? What does success look like? Number two, who do you need to reach to accomplish that goal very specifically? Number three, what do those people value? Not you, but what do they find valuable? What are they trying to figure out? And then four, how can you, in this case, create a newsletter or content, or how can you provide them with something for free that helps them do that? If you can do that, you by nature will have alignment. And then that will lead to people who ultimately are going to buy for you, you know, whatever, it'll all lead back to your goal. But I think a lot of people don't do that. They forget about the sort of audience and what the audience wants. And they're like, I want to get a bunch of sales 
or I want a bunch of followers, or I want a bunch of subscribers. It's not really a goal, right? And you don't get that. You get that by serving people, not just by talking about yourself and saying, hey, follow me, subscribe to me, buy from me. I think the biggest thing that you said on this podcast that I think needs to be ingrained in people's heads is marketing is about serving people. It's not about yourself. It's not about anything else. It's about serving people. And how do you serve people is through value. So I think if people just follow that, they will, and they work backwards and just simplify that if you're serving people and you're providing value, you'll build something great, whether it's a newsletter, a business, a marketing plan, you just need to think of that in the back of your head. I want to give you the last couple minutes to say where people could find your newsletter, your podcast, sure. your Twitter, anything you want to bring up. So my website's at joshspector.com. Uh, they can sign up for my newsletter at fortheinterested.com slash subscribe. My podcast is called I Want to Know. You can find it uh, through joshspector.com. Just click on podcast or it's on all the different platforms. You can also, one of the interesting things about my podcast is anyone can be a guest on it if they have three interesting questions to ask. So unlike a lot of podcasts where it's like, you can't go on unless you've accomplished X, Y, and Z and whatever. Like, I just want people that have really interesting questions about audience, you know, audience and business growth that I think I can help. So you can go to joshspector.com slash questions and apply there to be on. Just submit your questions that you'd want to ask. And then I'm on Twitter all the time at jspector, J-S-P-E-C-T-O-R. And yeah, I'm around. I'm, I'm very active on Twitter. I reply to people all the time. And yeah, you can find me there. You can, <laughs> you can find me in my newsletter. And uh, I'm not that hard to find, I guess is the point. Yeah, if you, anybody listening, you should go follow him. He gives some great tips about everything he's just talked about a creative entrepreneurship being a creator creating a newsletter and then also his newsletter he's reinventing some things of how newsletters are thought about so i suggest you go subscribe but thank you for joining this has been great yeah thanks for having me thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.